kind of connected in friendship and, and uh, the common bond that we have, that we have the same Father. And, um, and he's, he's been a blessing to my life, and, and he, um, he encourages that I've been a blessing to his. But, um, boy, he's really been hurting this week, and we've been communicating. Uh, he lives in Arkansas, and his son lived in California. And so just a, a very tragic and difficult situation, leaving behind a, a wife and, and two children. And, and um, in the midst of that, I was really struggling for Jim, struggling with for his hurt and and the things that he was going through, and and um, and then the Lord says, "Well, you know, if you're you're struggling with his hurt, let me bring you some joy." And uh, so uh, our little grandson celebrated his second birthday this week, and so what a joy! What what happiness came uh, through that? My very best friend and uh, college roommate. Uh, celebrates his birthday today, and uh, what a godly friend and, and a great encouragement he is. Uh, my um, brother's granddaughter got married yesterday, so so a lot of blessings that come, a lot of good things that come to say, you know what, there is hurting, there is there is pain, and and but in the midst of that, there is also love, there's also joy, there's also blessing that can come, and. Um, and I'm thankful for that, that source of encouragement that comes from the Lord in, in ways that sometimes we, we don't even recognize and realize uh, at times that we need it. And so this morning, I want to share with you a message about love and grace and, um, and the power of God's Word and His presence in our life. Luke, the sixth chapter. If you have your Bibles... And I hope that you do, and you want to turn there this morning. I'm not going to read this entire passage. Uh, we will refer to um, several verses out of this passage as we go through the message this morning. Uh, but Jesus, when, when this passage begins, Luke chapter 6, beginning in verse 20, um, Jesus has been praying all night long. And he's been praying all night long because he was about to call the twelve men who would form the nucleus of the leadership for the church that he had come to earth to die for. Now that's a pretty significant event that is happening. The selection of those when you die for the church that are going to be left behind to care for and lead and nurture the church. These appointments were critical to the future of the kingdom of God here on earth. And as soon as He had called the apostles, Jesus began to heal and to meet the needs of many, many needy people. And He became a demonstration to them of His power and His compassion. He became a very visual lesson for His apostles that they too were to love and care for needy people in this world. And, and I think about that, and, and, and that's still the task of the church today. 
That's still what He's called us to, to share the love and the power and compassion of the Lord with those who are in need of it. And we use that word needy sometimes. I think we misinterpret that word. But those who have a need... That need is not always physical. That need can be the need for a a healing. That can be a a need to to help a hurt. It can be a need for encouragement. And so he finds himself meeting the needs of people as a demonstration to his apostles and his followers of what it means to be a part of the church and of the kingdom. You see, to follow Jesus then as well as now means we have to make changes in our lives. He was demonstrating to them how they should behave, how they should think and act differently now that they have become a follower of Jesus. Sometimes those changes are drastic. It's literally a 180 degree turn. I'm headed in this direction and now I must turn around and head in a different direction as a follower of Jesus. And when we sometimes can see those dramatic changes in people's lives. And we go, man, the Lord really got a hold of them. The Lord really turned their life around. You know people like that. You've experienced that. Sometimes, when we become a follower of Jesus, those changes are smaller and more subtle. But we all must change because the Scripture says that when we are in Christ Jesus, we have a new identity and we are no longer who we used to be. You understand that? I've changed. When I accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and He sends His Holy Spirit to live in me as the helper to live the Christian life, I'm changed and I'm no longer who I used to be. In fact, the Scripture says that if we are in Christ, we are a new creature, and the old has passed away, or the old is gone. The old me doesn't live here any longer. I'm now a new person in Christ Jesus. That's change. And the change affects our lives, and it affects every area of our lives. And so Jesus begins to teach about the change. And He talks about it in the form of blessings in the early part of this passage, Luke chapter 6, beginning in verse 20. And every person there would have understood the blessings to be related to health and home and full barns and peaceful life. And Jesus was about to reveal to them a whole new way of thinking about blessings. He was going to to change their thought process. And so I want us to look at that this morning because He needs to change our thought process as well. Pick up with me, if you would, in verse 20. And turning His gaze on the disciples, He began to say, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Well, their, their understanding of blessing would have been, you know, plenty, would have been bounty, would have been uh, having abundance. And he turns around and says, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who, who hunger now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when men hate you, and ostracize you, and cast insults at you, and spurn your name as evil for the sake of the Son of Man. Be glad in that day, and leap for joy. For behold, your reward is great in heaven, for in the same way their fathers used to treat the prophets. 
So Jesus begins to talk about these blessings. And as He begins to talk about these blessings, what He is communicating is that a truly blessed life comes not from getting or even from doing. A truly blessed life comes from being. Being God-like. Being Christ-like. Being in the same manner and character of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Life is about character. Character is about decisions. And decisions are based on values. And so the question we have to ask is, what are our values? What is that 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 brings our decision-making process? What are the values that we bring to the table to lead and direct and guide us in the decision-making process in our life? In chapter 6 and verse 45, we didn't get down to there, but we'll look at that in a moment. He says this, what is in me is what will flow out of me. You understand that? What is inside of me, what, what fills me up, what are my values, what is important to me, what is significant to me in life? He says, what gets inside of me is what flows out of me. And he says, we have to understand that principle in regards to our lives and how we act and how we behave and what we do in relationship to the Lord. So from this passage, there are four things that I want to share with you this morning. The first one is this, is that we have to have faith in God. We have to trust in Him for everything in our life. Notice that the focus here is on our attitude about life. He is saying, get your eyes off the things of the world and get them on me. Take your eyes off the material things and that you need to trust in me. He gives four blessings. And then notice, if we follow that up, he gives four warnings or Woes, if you would. Pick up with me and we'll continue to read as, as he went through there. And then he, he begins in verse 24. But woe to you who are rich, for you, for you are receiving your comfort in full. So he says, hey, blessed are you who are poor, but woe to you who are rich. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all men speak well of you, for in the same way their fathers used to treat the false prophets. But I say to you, who here love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. So he turns and he says, here are four blessings. Now, let me share with you four warnings. He says, here's the the positive side, here's the other side. Be careful. He said, it's about our attitude. It's about how we perceive the material things of this world. If what I'm looking for is for me to, to receive satisfaction, for me to be popular or to be recognized, to be accepted, then he says, you have the wrong attitude. If that's what your attitude's about, he says, if you chase the things of the world, the fear... Is not that you will be disappointed, but that you won't. Think about that for a moment. It's not an original quote with me. Don't know where it came from, but I think it's very profound. If you chase the things of this world, the fear is not 
that you will be disappointed, but that you won't. The real concern is not that you will achieve your goals, not that you won't achieve your goals, but that you will. And in that, you place your trust in you and what you've achieved and what you've accomplished and not in Him. If I set out to do things and I accomplish those things, oftentimes my confidence is in those things. If I can accomplish this or accomplish that, if I can amass this amount of money in my bank or this kind of a home or whatever the case may be, then suddenly my confidence, my focus is on those things and not on Him. And He says, be careful where you place your focus. Be careful on that which brings joy and peace and contentment to your life. He says we have to change our attitude about putting our faith and trust in Him. Second thing is this. He talks about our love toward others. Pick up with me, if you would, again, there in verse 27, and how he begins this conversation. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Whoever hits you on the cheek, offer him the other also. And whoever takes away your coat, do not withhold your shirt from him either. Give to everyone who asks of you, and whatever, and whoever takes away what is yours, do not demand it back. And just as you want people to treat you, treat them in the same way. Interesting teaching that Jesus is giving about others. Love your enemies. We struggle with that, don't we? Be kind to those who have mistreated you. Pray for those who have hurt you. We struggle with that. If we've been offended or we've been hurt, we we don't want to love those people. We don't want to pray for those people. We, We want something to happen to them to get even. To balance the scales, if you would, because of the pain they've caused us. And he says, no, 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 no. He said, I I want you to love your enemies. I I want you to bless those who have cursed you. I, I want you to pray for those who have mistreated you. You see, he says, we have to change our whole way of thinking. We have to change our, our whole way of behavior. Love even your enemies. And he gives us directions. And how we do that. Do good to those who hate you. Do something good in return, he says. Don't wish ill on them. Don't don't seek for something bad to happen in their life. He says, do good to those who... Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. So he gives us three instructions. If you're struggling with your enemy, he says, here's what I want you to do. First thing is, do good for them. Do something good in their life for them. Bless those who, who curse you. So bring a blessing to their life. Pray for those who mistreat you. And then he closes with this, and we call it the golden rule. Treat others the same way that you want to be treated. How would you want to be treated? How would you want people to treat you? Then treat them the same way. Respond to them in in that way. Then the next thing he says in verses 39 to 45 is this. Be honest with yourself. 
be honest with yourself and, and where you are. And he uses some terms there that are interesting. He said, one blind person can't lead another blind person, can they? Or else they're just going to end up in a pit. They're, they're going to end up somewhere that they shouldn't be if the blind are leading the blind. He, he says, well, a student doesn't become greater than their teacher. A student learns from and becomes like, but, but doesn't become greater than. He says, a good tree doesn't bear bad fruit, or a bad tree doesn't bear good fruit. What he's saying is this, he said, let's, let's take an, an inner look at who we are. Before we, we start judging other these people that have hurt us, see, remember you have to tie all this together. You can't just take one verse and go, oh, this is what it says. You have to put it with the whole passage. And in the passage, he says, if you have an enemy, you need to love them. And, and then he turns around and he says, be honest with yourself. How lovable are you? Are there some people out there that struggle with loving you? He said, listen, be kind to them. Do something good for them. Okay? So, so he's saying, listen, look at your own self. How hard is it for somebody to do something good for you? Maybe because of your attitude, your actions, or, or something that you've done against them in their life. And, and so what he's telling us is, listen, we've got to be honest with ourselves. We've got to be genuine and real and, and, and open up and say, this is who I am. Now, he doesn't want us to stay that way. He doesn't say, that's okay to be like that. But he says, we have to be honest. Because good can't produce evil and evil can't produce good. He says, we have to be careful about our behavior in life. What is in you, he says, will come out of you. Whatever's inside of me is what will permeate out of my life. And then the final thing he says is this, obedience toward God. Verses 46 through 49. Let's read those last few verses of that passage together and see what he says. And why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not what I say? Why do you say that I'm your Lord if you're not going to obey me? In other words, is what he's saying. Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and acts upon them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid a foundation upon the rock. And when a flood rose and the torrent burst against that house, and it could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who has heard and has not acted accordingly is like a man who built a house upon the ground without any foundation. And the torrent burst against it, and immediately it collapsed, and the ruin of that house was Great. He says, listen, obedience to my word is paramount to your life. And he says, in your life, there will be torrents, there will be floods, there will be storms, there will be difficulty and, and, and devastation. It'll come, he says. And when those things come, he says, how you stand depends upon the foundation that you've laid. In relationship to obedience to His Word. Now notice what He said. They built two houses. I would imagine in that comparison that from the outside they both looked really good. They both were, were shaped up well. They, they both appeared good. And you'd look at them and go, man, either house, either one's great, right? But He said the problem is not what's above the ground. The problem is not what you can see. The problem is what you can't see. And what you can't see is that one has a foundation and the other one doesn't. Same thing's true for us, isn't it? He's talking about our obedience to His Word, to the truths of Scripture. And He's talking about obedience to all of Scripture. 
And, and sometimes on the outside, we can look really good. And sometimes we can look good, just as good as the next guy or the next guy or the next guy. But the question is really this, what's underneath? What kind of foundation do we have? Is our foundation on the truth of God's Word, or is our foundation on the things of this life? Who we are in Christ makes all the difference in who we are in this life. And so He calls us to obedience to His Word. He calls us to the faithfulness of the truth of Scripture. He calls us to build a foundation on this truth. On this word, all of it, not just what's convenient, not wish what works for me, on all of his word. He says, it's like the person who hears the word and acts on it, and a person who hears the word and doesn't act on it. In other words, a person that takes the word and applies it to their life, and a person who doesn't. And he says, where's your foundation? Your foundation has to be in the word, it has to be in the truth. And if you have that foundation, he says, when the storms come, when the devastations occur, when, when the floods happen, he said, you'll stand. And you'll stand firm. But he said, if you don't have the right foundation, when those things come, there will be a devastation that happens. The house will fall. And he says, and great will be its fall. It, it'll be a devastating thing. And so he says, let's, let's look at our foundation. Be, be honest and genuine about who we are. And then let's commit to the truth of God's Word and and obedience and faithfulness to it in our lives. And so he calls us and he says, Listen, if you're going to follow me, you have to change. If you're going to be my child, you have to be different. And if you're not, he said, there are things that will happen in life that will be difficult, that will be a struggle that you will not stand up against because you don't have the right foundation. So this morning, we're going to offer an invitation to Him. And the invitation is just about an opportunity for us to make decisions in our life, decisions that, that determine our character, determine who we are and whose we are and how we live day by day. And, and so this morning, if there's a decision on your heart about how you live your life and about the foundation that you have from His Word, a need that you have in your life, then won't you come as we stand and we sing?